0: Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm talking to Maddie Leon, who just put out a new single from his upcoming album. The single is called Acoustic Guitars, and we're going to talk a bit about the process that he went through in recording this album with producer Mark Howard versus the process on his last two albums. Before we get going into it, though, I have some tour dates coming up in Ontario. On September 3rd, I'll be at Badlands Brewing Company. On September 9th, I'll be at the Robert McLaughlin Gallery in Oshawa. September 12th, I'll be at the Horseshoe Tavern. Uh, September 24th at Hops and Harvest Festival. September 29th, I'm doing a live stream for the Oshawa Music Awards. And October 14th at Farm League Brewing Company. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Maddie Leon. And if you're enjoying the podcast, remember you can send a rating to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. And that just helps other people find it. All right, so thanks for your support and I hope you enjoyed the episode. the uh the ahas that's yeah. what i'm into right now uh sweet man well you just got back from a recording the tracking of your third album yeah that you did this weekend yeah that's last week that's it hey eh? you're, you're done the track now you're just getting mixes we did
1: everything and then i listening to like rough mixes on the way home i noticed you know i know i noticed that like some like i missed some harmonies not missed like saying them wrong like like didn't do them because we were just moving so fast um so then I came home and last, yesterday, I did, you know, I did about two hours worth of just like doing a couple, couple harmony tracks to send down to Mark in, uh, or out to Mark in uh, Cape Breton. And um, okay. yeah, man. So it's all, it's all done, which was, it's kind of a cool, I mean, you know, you know, me and you kind of do things the same way where it's like you're constantly, making little demos and, like, making little demos, listening to them, chipping away, editing, adding another part, taking another part away. It was just kind of crazy to just go in and just throw it all down.
0: Yeah, that, that yeah. whole process can take months depending on how long you let yeah. it sit, right? You can, like you said, you put down a, that acoustic track and then maybe you throw on some bass, then you change the bass, throw in your guitars, yeah. change the guitars. So it's kind of, you had to have those songs. How much would you say you rewrote over those tracks like once you had recorded the the beds or like you recorded them as a three-piece
1: yeah so so i would say like i demoed out all of them here um over the last like two years so like um i had fully recorded full band versions of all the songs um right and then when we we decided to do it with mark he didn't want to hear any of that He's like just. <laughs> he's like so. I literally sent him like, sixteen or seventeen songs of just like me, um, recording with just like this mic and DI guitar, or this mic and like keyboards. That's it, and so. What's he, that mic you're using there? Uh, TLM one oh three. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I just sent him like once through messy versions of like 16 17 songs he picked his favorite 10 and didn't didn't listen to any of my arrangements or anything like that so it was pretty scary man like um we knew that it was going to be lots of live takes and no editing basically um so we knew we had to be like kind of shit tight so Mike yeah. and I were working really hard to, like, just know our parts, get them all ready. Um, the songs were all done. Nelson knew all his parts, but he's also kind of, he's not a studio musician, but he may as well be. Like, he can he can oh, yeah. add to what, whoever's playing at any time, he just, you know, he knows his instrument and um, he's like a Nashville guy or something.
0: Um, and he was playing bass during these playing sessions, bass, right? Yeah. But he also shreds guitar. Shreds like, guitar. So he put play, a lot of guitar on it
1: too. Um and but then when we when we got to the session, the songs didn't change. Like maybe like a, an intro here or um a cut this chunk there. But the guts, like my parts of the songs, were all the same. But all the stuff we had arranged with Mike, <laughs> poor guy, he like got <laughs> changed. Like I'd say Um, there's one song that stayed the exact same and we did it in one take. (laughs) Like that's how, um, yeah, all the, all the, the time, like changing the songs and stuff were mostly, um, finding different drum parts and then Nelson could fall in really quick, but it was kind of, um, that was definitely the challenge. And then we were tracking it pretty much live. So it was just kind of scary. You know,
0: so your your um when you actually recorded the the, the bed tracks, those were a little, the, or quite a bit different than the original arrangements you had.
1: Yeah, I would say all of them, like they became came like better versions of the song, like they kind of um. I don't know. I think we spent the last two years kind of trying to really simplify, um, the parts to to not get in the way of the song, like to get in the way of the vocal and stuff. And what we did here was the same thing, but it was like more groove based. So it was like, um, the drums are really like interesting. Like there's a lot of interesting stuff that Mike got now on, on this record, this new record. Um, and before it was just a little straighter, like straighter, tighter, simpler. Okay. So, I mean, if we didn't change, if we didn't change anything, the way we were recording, we probably could have gotten everything done in like three days, two or three days.
0: Right, but, right.
1: But we changed. Yeah, that poor guy. He's probably <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: relearning <laughs> ten songs essentially that you yeah, had thought that you had. to You know how for, it right? is,
1: right? Like it's like yeah, it's changing, changing. Um, something you've been practicing a ton is really right. tough, especially under the gun. You
0: know, and it feel it's that must be um, strange too, because you you write these songs, and I know that you know you've been through it before. You're not once you have a demo, you're not essentially thinking to yourself, "Hey, now I'm done with this song. Yeah, this is exactly yeah. how it's gonna be." Like you can be humbled, and and you know a lot of things change. A yeah. chorus gets changed or whatever. So I know that he probably changed the structure a lot in you, which which can be strange. But how much of the vocal melodies were also changed, or no. were they did those kind of stick? This those yeah. kind of stayed the yeah. same. Okay,
1: like the it, it was like the songs all stayed the exact same, and then everything that was happening around them changed a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah, it was just like the the grooves just changed a little bit. Um, just enough to make it tough on Mike. <laughs> but he rose to it, and it's like the best drumming he's ever done on anything, I think, which is really That's cool. really cool. Yeah.
0: Did you ever butt heads with Mark on any of the changes he wanted to do, or were you just kind of open arms, let's hear him?
1: Yeah. Um, there was, actually, it's funny, man, because that song we, we worked on, that, that we've been working on, yeah. and you the same thing w- when, when we decided that it was going to be better as a minor key song. Right. He did that to one of my, he, like, he thought that no for right. one of mine, and we started doing it, and I think it could have been, like, it could have been really cool, but I think it just would have been, it would have gone from, like, being... A Bruce Springsteen y kind of song, to like a Marvin Gaye kind of like heard it through the grapevine thing, which okay, which I like. I was like, I'm totally, I dig this. I I think this is cool, but this is like a whole like I would have to rewrite it, like right. the vocal melody would like didn't fit on top of the, the chord changes. So pretty quickly, um, I think that was the only time where. I wouldn't even say butt heads it was like we just didn't I don't think we all agreed on like like I don't think Nelson and Mike agreed with with what we were kind of working towards for like 30 minutes so we just right. split and just did did that other version that we had kind of prepared I'd be open to trying it again it was just like um it was a lot of like chord inversions and it was like a tricky piano song as it was And to, like, translate it all into a minor key, the way we were working, like, how fast we were working, it was like I was never going to be able to do it in an hour.
0: Right. Like, if you
1: give me a day, I could probably rewrite it, come up with some new melodies. um, But I I wouldn't be able to sit there with the guys around and just, like, oh, this this song in A, let's make it A minor and have all these, like, diminished chords. And um, I would have had to, like, think about it a lot. get it down first
0: yeah that makes sense well it's kind of funny the one we were working Mm -hmm. on it just it just as soon as you showed me that change it was made total sense but sometimes it's like it could work that way but it also could work the way that it was before but i think in our in our situation it was kind of unanimous that we decided the minor key was the way to go and i think
1: it was like it was a little bit more obvious that it sounded immediately better in the minor key for ours the one that we were working on and this one it sounded good in the minor key and it sounded good in the normal way. Yeah. So it was like, let's just get it down the way we had it prepared. And um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: That'd be kind of so. neat, though. You know, the record comes out. A little later, you do a minor key version of it just as a, totally. as a bonus or something.
1: Totally. And, like, the, yeah, I'm definitely down to do something like that. Um, it was just like, yeah, like, the bridge has... Has like six or seven different chords that are just kind of. It's all a piano song, so it's like moving and, um, and it would have been a fucking nightmare to <laughs> to figure all of that stuff out and then figure out how to sing it and stuff too. Um, oh
0: yeah, especially so, when you're trying to get everything else done, you're just worried about yeah, getting the album done. Yeah.
1: So what we ended yeah. up doing was we just put it down exactly how we had it prepared. Didn't change it that much. I that was one of the ones that I don't think needed too much changing anyways. So, kind of Mark helped make it a little a little more solid and then um and then we kind of yeah, put it to bed, but we did it in like one or two takes. So, it went mm. from what was going to be a really tough session to we just kind of knocked it out and then moved on.
0: And did you when you guys were recording those, did you record to a clicker? Did you just
1: play them? No, um not that one. I think we ro- recorded I did a couple songs. Um I think we did three songs to a click. Maybe four. Um I we got in a day early before Mike and Nelson were gonna were gonna come up. We didn't think we were gonna be there early. Um so I didn't want to throw away a day like that we had Mark Howard. So right. I just said like I picked the one song that, that I could play to like a, a pulse, like an eight oh eight. And just did did my acoustic and, and vocal and all the harmonies and stuff while they were coming up, and then oh, they nice. came up, showed up at night, put their bags down, and immediately tracked their parts. Did um, that one? <laughs> yeah. So that was cool. Um, yeah, we did. We tracked, I would say, like two or th- uh, four, maybe four, to a click. Um, but it was it was it was cool. Like I think once we settled in, that that it didn't have to be to a click. Um it worked really well. Like you can't work that way unless everybody's in the room though. Yeah, so, exactly. So like right? yeah. the fact that we were like we did oh man, we did some really cool stuff. Um I'm just so used to using a click and like building a little drum track to record something to and then building it. Yeah. And, um and to just like sit there in a circle with Mike and Nelson and and he kind of throws us you know, like he he'd take Mike off the kit and give him something else, like like the floor. He'd have like a floor toms. We'd go to dinner and we'd all have dinner together. And then while he would kind of set up the room, and then we'd come into the room and there was like Mike wasn't on the drum kit. There was like a floor tom, and he wanted him hitting like um, um, the side of the floor tom and um, and kind of took it away from. Even being to a uh, click environment, to where okay. it's like you're playing in a circle, um, just jamming, and yeah, yeah. Then when we started, we did that for a couple, and it was like it was really, really great, like just to hmm. to play. Um, but again, you could only do that in the scenario that we were doing it. Like nobody could come in when you're together and put their parts on to a song that's like drastically changing paces <laughs> you know? it would be tricky yeah, if you weren't playing yeah. it live
0: that's true mm-hmm. well it's, I mean I guess we should mention like you did do this 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 upcoming album you did it with uh, Mark Howard who's yeah. worked with like so many awesome people from the Tragically Hip to yeah like Avril Levine I think I saw you yeah. too on his roster oh, yeah, but, yeah uh, like Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan. Like, it's insane man it must have been it's crazy impossible man. not to just sit down and talk to him the whole time about that's that recording process and why he does things the way he does but it 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 goes to show you that it's not always the best way to just have something that's so not robotic, but you know what I mean? Where it's just yeah. right to the click all the time. It feels like that's the way it needs to be. But you know, a vet like Mark obviously has different ideas. And I wonder if it's totally because man. of the way you guys play together or if he just heard the music and was like,
1: that's just how he does it. It was funny, man. Like, like, um, almost the last day we were up. I did. I didn't bother him up, the- up at the desk very much. Um, but what the last like one of the last days I was looking at like the the gear he had, and I was like, "You don't have any compressors here. Like, what is what are we going through? Like, what is this <laughs> stuff going?" He's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, they're like usually you know like you see some compressors and he's like, I don't use those. He's like, you don't need them. And like after like the last fucking you know ten years of of, <laughs> of, of like doing mixing and like um, it was just it, it was." It couldn't have been more different, this yeah. this than, than what i have been used to. Um, <laughs>
0: no compressors, no click tracks. What have we yeah. Been doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, and um, and it's it's wild too. Like like no compressors, but the drums sounded really cool and punchy. And um, the gear he has, there's like some specific reasons why he uses it. It's called Radar. Um, so it's like a, I guess an early digital recorder, but the, Apparently, the AD conversion is like insane, and he's got these specially made preamps that he's got. Um, but, like, even so, like, here I'm talking on a TLM 103. For our last record, I was, you know, using some expensive mics in Noble Street. The, half of this new record is tracked on a Beta 58, like, live takes on a fucking Beta 58. And it sounds awesome. I was like, I was asking him, I was like, how is this, how is this sounding right? Like, how is this, he's like, I don't know the uh." preps.
0: And were you guys at a space that he was, like, already was comfortable with or? No. That he usually, he's never been there. He's never been there. Interesting. That's what he
1: does. He's got, like, a mobile studio. And he's got a mobile studio. It was like, it was a lot to bring in. It was me and him brought it in, in the (laughs) snow. It was crazy. Um, But he's got this mobile studio that that you know he's got 24 channels um mixing desk and he just brings it around the world he rents he rents like houses or cottages or buildings and um and sets up for a week or a month or a couple months and that's what he does so like when he worked with bob dylan him and him and daniel lanois like rented a place in new orleans and that was their studio for you know a year or two and that's uh, awesome yeah and he just goes around the world so like after now he's going to LA he's got another place he just rented he's staying there for a couple couple weeks to make records and he originally wanted us to go to cape breton um he's got he's got like a an old church in cape breton this big fucking old old church that he wanted us to come record in so and i was like I'd love to Get some wicked shots yeah, there too. yeah, I just know. Live I'd love to, oh, but, killer. but uh, yeah. just getting out there, even with all the COVID stuff, I didn't know what the, the restrictions and stuff would be for flying, and um, yeah, right. so I just decided Find to out do your it. Gear too. Yeah, I just decided to, to keep it here. Um, yeah, yeah, but it, it was just like now, all. I hope it all turns out well and sounds great, but like I know, <laughs> like he is a great. Producer, right? Like he's worked with like so many incredible people. So there's no way to say his wrong, his way is wrong. Like he's, I mean, he's kind of. But it it, it was really, like it really threw me through a loop just to watch it all. Right. And just like to be like, oh no no no, you don't have to record to click. Um, there's no fucking compressors. You could use a right. Beta 58. That's like what I used. <laughs> that's what I use on stage. Like like. Um, I was I, there's a few songs where I'm recording my acoustic di, which like I would never do.
0: That's hilarious. Ever. Yeah, a lot of uh, <laughs> when I was talking to Jordan Jordan Moore, yeah. he was he was saying that he's never records a di. So it just goes to show Dude, you, Mark it can Howard. be done.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's probably three songs on this new record that's like fucking di. Oh like, man, i di excited acoustic. To hear it.
0: Um, how did um how did you guys get in touch? Like, how did you end up getting in touch to like make it so that mark was the producer on this one
1: i did a friend of mine kate boothman who's like a a, she's a wonderful songwriter um she's from out in like Coburg. she was making a record with him about two years ago and uh he was set up in campbellville kind of by milton um hamilton milton um in between and um she just asked if i wanted to come by to do some some harmonies i didn't even know who he was but when I talked to Gavin, um, our producer for the last record, he was like, yeah, you should, you should, you could maybe work with this guy. Like he, he might be up your alley. Um, Gavin played drums on the record. And so I went to this session. It was really cool, but it was like two years ago. So I had just started working with Gavin and like, I had no interest in, um, I didn't think I was going to be working with anybody else. So it was just cool. Right. I got to sing on a, like a nice RCA mic. It was really nice. Um, did a few harmonies left. Um, couple months later, she asked if I wanted to open for her in, in Coburg. And I was like, sure. And he did live sound for it. I think he was like okay. kind of staying with her for a couple months. Um, and he did the live sound for, her, and he was like, Hey, like I loved your set. Um, if you ever want to make a record, just let me know. I was like, thanks man. Okay, cool. But I did again, I didn't like, I wasn't looking for That's anybody else. In to... natural
0: light with Gavin. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Like you I wasn't, kind of I wasn't mindset. looking
1: for somebody else to work with at that point. Yeah. Um. And then after a couple years, we started looking at kind of what, what the next record would be. And because I had all these songs from like over the pandemic, like two years of just nothing but songwriting. So I had so many songs and we kind of picked the direction for the next record, and management was kind of saying like, "Well, like let's let's figure out some other producers we could work with for these ones." And I gave him a list of like two or three names, and I messaged Mark Howard, and he was like, immediately got back to me. He's like, "I'd love to," and so it just worked out like that. That's how we met, and then. Um, once he agreed to it then i started thinking oh shit this is going to be a lot different i got we're going to have to prepare a little differently um and to be so
0: honest, you mean like the the recording process of like recording with with mark versus recording with gavin on the last
1: album yeah that process was different totally like um not so much it's funny they both work very fast they're both very confident and, and I don't mean, like, confident in, like, a demeaning way. I just mean, like, it's nice to have somebody who's confident in the room yeah. that can tell you, this is going to sound good this way.
0: Right. Because then you can right.
1: kind of trust them and, and go that way. Um, whereas if everybody's kind of like, well, what do you think? What do you think? Um, it just slows everything down. So it's, like, really in that way, they are both very similar. But where Mark Howard is kind of capturing... Um, He's kind of like capturing moments. Gavin is like, is like, like crafting the perfect thing. So there, there right. it's a little different. Like Mark Howard isn't looking for perfection at all. He's just like vibe, interesting, human, kind of like, I would say those are like the things that he's um, more concerned about.
0: And you had an interesting thing on one of the one of the uh, kind of recaps you posted about where you you saved some songs for recording them in the evening. Yeah. So kind of that that thing where you're you're you know just playing a, a song at a different time in the day, maybe it's a slower one or whatever, just fits better with that mood. It's funny how that'll that'll it feels like it comes through as you're playing it, and you know yeah that kind of capturing that vibe. I'm sure is what he was <laughs> what he was looking for, right?
1: Yeah, man. It was it was super cool. It was like. Um, we actually have a song called Late in the Evening. That's, uh, that was the first one we did in the evening, obviously. Yeah, and, <laughs> you can't uh, play that at, like, one thirty. Yeah, 1:30. yeah. <laughs> and it was, like, after dinner, and he turned all the lights down, so it's, like, dark in the room, um, it's late at night, and he even, like, like, swampified the groove, so it was, like, even slower than what I thought it was gonna be, and- okay. And like totally like Mike Nelson and me all playing live. It is the live take. Um, the vocals live off of Beta 58. <laughs> um, wow. Just super cool. And we did it like we did it four times. I think those like kind of nighttime sessions. Um, and they just have like so much character for, I don't know if it'll translate through like in my head, they have so much character like it's like it, yeah it definitely will it definitely will yeah yeah it's like the experience was was really really incredible we were lucky it, it was like a it was a really good showcase for for Nelson too like just to he is he is such a great musician and he's so good at so many different things and um you can kind of toss Whatever you you want at him, and he can like he plays t- a lot of guitar on this new record, and it's all like live. Like he's just like after we got a take that we liked, it was like he put on the guitar, and he just play over it like once or twice, and everything you hear is like him pl- him playing like it's a live show almost. It's yeah, amazing. Right. Like he's just yeah. It's it's kind of like um. Yeah, we were really lucky that that this was the one where we we called him in to to be be in there with us.
0: That's gonna be really cool to hear because it's gonna be almost like a a live album in a sense too, right? Totally. You're you're not playing it in front of an audience or anything, yeah. but it's um basically it is for anyone who buys it is the audience to that live performance. That's for sure. yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's really cool.
1: One of the I, I must say one of the other cool things about it, like the experience obviously all of us staying there it was really cool like waking up and doing stuff and and doing stuff after dinner and not having to go back into the real world ever like for like seven days it was just like you're in a vacuum yeah it was like fantastic that way Um, just
0: music seven days yeah it
1: was like i've never had that before like you yeah you know you might have it for a day but you always have to kind of reemerge into real life and um answer emails or do like it was just like none of that um but he had he had like big obviously big speakers to mix on but he also had a huge sub so like the sub was like one of those enormous yorkville ones that like for live
0: yeah okay so when
1: he would play back it would be like fucking stadium sound
0: in this house
1: (laughs) And you're like, like you dance around, and a lot of the times because we wouldn't wear headphones all the time, he would be pumping it out like what we were playing to, um, like one of those night nighttime sessions. Yeah, it was like kind of an organ song, um, an organ song with like a kick drum and and Nelson did like a a bass synth part thing, and you because of the sub and the speakers, it was like, um it felt like you were playing a concert and you were out in the crowd hearing what they were hearing as it's like loud. And yeah, it was just a really cool, almost like a performance kind of experience. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. I feel like, and that, that comes definitely through with when you're all playing it together, you know, instead of just, I mean, tracking at each part, you can still capture an essence of it, but playing it live is definitely something worth, worth doing it that way. Yeah. That's sweet, man.
1: So we'll, we'll see we'll see how it all turns out. Yeah.
0: So I feel like I mean, you could put it out whenever but at, at least in terms of the material this next album is done, so you could, you know, release it next year, which is only really yeah. or even maybe even later this year, depends yeah. on what you do. But, you know, you could have an, the next album done in a in a year or two after the after in natural light. So, you know, you said you were like writing a ton through yeah. quarantine and stuff. Did do you find that that how was that pro was that process of your songwriting any different than um between those first two albums like from kind of the start of quarantine and stuff how did did your songwriting change or did you just start doing it a a lot more
1: i think a couple things it was like for everything leading up to when i started to when we got picked up by inside pocket um i had always had like a full-time job so everything was like in the pockets of time where i'd have time and, right. and, you know, like, you're always thinking about lyrics and little melodies and stuff. Um, but actually sitting down to work on stuff was a little tougher when I was working on, the like, had a full-time job. I'd be, like, you know, yeah. working on stuff on lunch breaks and it commutes home. and <laughs> um, So then when we started working with the Inside Pocket, I quit my job. And so all of a sudden I had more time to, to like, kind of get a schedule going for writing. And then... Um, kind of working with Gavin, I learned a few, th- like, he taught me a few, mu- like, writing things that had, like, some serious impact on how I've kind of approached writing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just, like, What did he tell you? It was, like, what he, th- it was, like, watching him edit my songs and lyrically, like, having things make sense, um, getting to the point not trying to be too clever, um, but also being clear. Like he, um, he said like one thing one time where, um, and it's funny that it was only a few sessions that he, he kind of sat down and and did songwriting stuff with me, but they were all like, I took them in big time and started practicing them. And, um, but like one was, I I think I've told you this too, but it was like, imagine as a songwriter, you're sitting there and you're drawing a picture and the crowd out there can't see the picture. If you don't describe it like well for them, they're not going to know what's going on in your head. So like you have to just like say, get to the point. Um, so trying to make songs like make a little bit more sense. Don't worry about being too clever all the time. Um, And so I kind of had all these little lessons right before the pandemic. So then for two years, I was just practicing those things like, and just was pumping out songs. Like most of the songs here, it's like, they're like a three cycles back from like, I've got other chunks for other things already done. Um, and, but I think like the pandemic, it was just every day working on, working on songs every day and, um, and not meandering through songs like where before I'd be like, huh, I wonder if this is where I want to go. It's like, once I got an idea, it was like, those songs were getting finished within the week before I would take months. Like I'd just be chipping away at songs, um, not really knowing where I was going. And then every once in a while, I'd kind of stumble upon that formula that he told me about. Um, like a song, like, uh, like a song I wrote called Vimy. It was like, once I knew what I was writing about, the song came out really quick. Yeah, Um, the
0: lyrics to that song are are amazing, man. Thanks. That's a super, super really, like, the imagery in that song is crazy, man. That's such a good tune.
1: But it was like, once I knew that that's what I was writing about, it was, like, very easy to write it. It's it's kind of like um, when you're, like, trying to find the right thing to write about, it's like it never happens. But the second you kind of make a choice of what this song is about or what this sounds like it's about, it becomes a lot easier to finish it.
0: What do you think? Like you find inspires you more when you're writing, because that's that's one of the tricky things, right? You find a cool riff or some a cool melody you want to write to, and then you all of a sudden you're like, uh, "Well, shit, I don't want to write another love song. Yeah. Or, I, want to write, I want to write something weird, or I want to write something yeah. different," and you don't really know where to go. So, where do you find like most of your inspiration comes from for writing tunes?
1: That's a good question. Um, yeah, sometimes like like I find reading book like like reading a book on something like that's how I wrote Vimy, was kind of after reading a book um, or, like, family stories. I Like, I, I find it... I can put myself in other people's shoes if the story's already there. I'm not good at, like, just right. fucking making up a story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've found it pretty easy when you have the facts in front of you to, like, to take... extract the facts and put it in a song. seems... is, like, much easier... Um, there's this song, I don't know if it'll come out or what'll happen, but, um, this past fall, um, we were at a friend's wedding and his dad, um, gave like a wedding speech. And at the end of the speech, he kind of, he, he threw down this like killer line. Like, um, it was, he basically described, you know, um, my buddy's family members and just said like his grandma and his mom and his you know his his grandpa and he said you're at the end of the day you're made up of all the best parts of them like you're made up of the, of the best parts of the best people that i know and it was like such a killer line it's such a killer sentiment and i asked him like a couple days later i was like i think i gotta write a song that uses that and i asked like can you just can i have the speech that you wrote can you just give it to me and he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So it was, it was literally a 20-minute speech. <laughs> but I just kind of, like, extracted all the stuff that would make a song and then kind of fashioned this song to it. Um, so I find that, like, when you have the information, whether it's, like, a historical thing um, or something that has happened to somebody around you when, you, when you have the facts and you have to put them in, it almost becomes easier because you don't have options. <laughs>
0: You know, when it's laid out in front of you, if it happened to you, then it's a little more easy to interpret versus, yeah. you know, taking it from someone else. But if you know what they went through, or you have an idea of what they went through, you can kind of, you can kind of run with it a bit. It's, yeah, that's what I like reading books for too. You just sort of, or you know, going traveling or yeah. there's so many things you can do to just sort of pull some inspiration just from, from anywhere really. Yeah, right? totally. It's, it's hard to just sit down day after day in one room without going outside. Yeah, <laughs> and to have yeah. interest, interesting things to talk about or yeah. sing about or write about, right?
1: Oh yeah. Unless you did sure. a bunch
0: of like, uh, unless you did a bunch of mushrooms or something, and you <laughs> yeah. were just in another planet in that room.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so I know, I know you. You started working with Inside Pocket, and you said that kind of changed things a bit for your. At least with, as I know what you mean. It's hard to. It's hard to do a day job and oh, have man. a consistent writing schedule and do yeah. all those things. So it sort of opened up like a, a bit more opportunity for you to have more of a, a schedule for songwriting and, yeah. and doing all that is. What other things did you find it help you get more sync opportunities or playlisting stuff? You know, because a lot of things go independently now, but with yeah. management and and agencies, they can really help uh, get you started and get you locked into something you're aiming for, striving for.
1: Yeah, I think the playlisting thing. I mean, I'm sure that that's why we got some of the playlists we we got is because Inside Pockets like got distribution with Warner, um, right. I think that's like the big thing it's like nice to have people who are understand the industry and are in it and can kind of mentor you to make your moves um yeah i would say those are the two big things the sync stuff i actually had more um more luck with it before oddly enough i don't know if it was because we were independent or um Mm -hmm. were you just submitting it um I was just tracking down Yourself? song, like, music supervisors and sending them stuff. Yeah. and Just um, going through,
0: like, credits of a TV show or something, finding them and <laughs> reaching out. Yeah,
1: like, I knew, like, a few of the Toronto ones. Um, yeah. And then just, yeah, just sent them, sent them like, a, a shout-out and said, hey, I just rec- released this new record, and I did that a few times before anybody would message me. And then we got, like, um, something on Kim's Convenience, something on a show called Nurses. Um, yeah, like those things are nice too, because they, there's like a whole other listen, listenership or whatever you call it, like that find it that might not find you otherwise. Um, absolutely. So it's always, that's, that's been good. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's that we were independent though, because then they, they don't have to go through all the all the label stuff to actually lock down the the rights to the song. They just have to deal with one artist who's obviously gonna say yes. <laughs> you know? Put it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky reaching. Did so did you reach out to Inside Pocket yourself or did they end up picking you guys up from shows or something or Yeah, word for of mouth? like
1: for as long as I've been doing solo stuff, even before I was doing solo stuff, like even the shakedown days when we were playing Shows shows with you guys. Um, I was always... There was always a few people in the industry who I'd known just from over the years who I would always send... Oh, I've got... Hey, I just put out this new song or this new EP. And I just... Anybody I kind of knew in the industry or any of the labels that I thought I might fit on, um, I'd send it to. And I did that for a long time. <laughs> and then eventually, yeah, um, Inside Pocket, they the guys there um took an interest which was really nice and um then we met up and it started really quick after uh, after they um met up the one time and then i showed them some demos and Gavin was like yep didn't take him long he doesn't take longer than anything though like he's he like <laughs> yeah he just knows i think his he kind of just trusts his his thing in the studio and he trusts it everywhere else it's really cool
0: yeah man i think yeah being proactive like that is important just i mean even when you probably like i'm sure the stuff that you had sent in you know years back comparing it now to stuff that you have yeah. it's obviously not going to be as polished or as well written and in, in, sure. in your mind it's going to be you know not as good as your newest stuff so yeah but you're still sending it in you're still looking for those opportunities yeah. so i don't think it's ever too early i mean may- maybe don't send your cell phone recordings in that you just wrote but <laughs> as you develop yeah. it a bit more yeah I, it, it doesn't hurt to just keep sending things out and looking for opportunities and if it doesn't work out now at least that person knows you're at it and then you know three years down the line if you're still working and yeah. it's better that shows promise too so maybe somebody will even be more inclined to reach out or reach back out to you because like hey i heard you a little while back wasn't the right fit but holy smokes you've been working your ass off and now i really like what you're doing yeah. let's talk you you obviously have some and drive you can just right? like so,
1: like i had um there was a guy uh, his name's Jordan. He works for it's called CCS Rights Management now, but before he was working with them, he was he was doing some management stuff. And I had known him for as long as I've been doing music, and he was always a really nice guy. And even when I was like the lowest on the pecking order of of like whatever the the music scene, or um, he would he would still listen to my stuff and give me you know little bits of feedback which was like really really helpful Um, yeah that's awesome it was like he didn't have to and as i started moving up i like i had a, a beer with him in toronto i don't know like six years ago or something like that and i just asked him like i think just getting honest feedback from people is like a good thing so um so i i just i literally asked him i was like what what would you tell somebody else that i should be doing like what would you not me like what would you tell you know what this guy should be doing right now is he should stop yeah. wasting his time with this shit and do that <laughs> and and he like gave me a list of things and i did them and um and i've just been trying to do that kind of stuff since you know like
0: um what were some of the big ones that you, that resonated with you
1: um i didn't realize that like paying for pr was worth it (laughs) he's like i was gonna
0: ask you about some marketing stuff yeah
1: yeah like i um now i fucking hate giving my money away to fucking instagram and facebook ads like they suck i hear you i just did some today but um (laughs) i I hate that but like certain things i didn't know that that doors were shut unless you had like a, a a pr company pushing your stuff like, I didn't know that. I assumed, like, um, I assumed, like, TV channels would answer emails from anybody or, you know, like, yeah. like, blogs would answer from anybody. But, so I, I started, like, this is when we were independent still, but, like, um, we did a cross-Canada tour and before that tour, I paid for PR. And it was like, oh, okay, now we've got some blogs messaging us and, you know, we got to do some of those like CTV morning shows and literally all it was, was that we hired a fucking company to do it. But then to the outside world, everybody's like looking at you like, wow, this guy's, this guy's moving up. Look at him. Absolutely, TV, man. Getting in blogs. Yeah. And so, um,
0: do you remember, um, who the PR company, that, or I guess, is there one that you like to work with now in particular or one? back in
1: the day? The one we, we worked with independently, Was um, Indoor Recess, I think. Okay. I think that's what it was called. I'm I'm
0: sure Inside Pocket probably has their own PR designation.
1: They had... We've worked with Ocher. Yeah,
0: they're great, too. I I love working with them.
1: I got a... From the straight, those guys out in St. Catharines, I do love them. Like, I'd love to work with them at some point. Just because I know, like, they, like, legitimately love music and... Mm -hmm. um champion good stuff so um i think it's just like having people in that pr world pushing stuff for you is actually helpful that's
0: a absolutely you have a team of people that's literally their their job and they have contact lists for those things so it's hard to to like you said for the instagram and facebook market um sponsored ads and putting out money for you it's like damn i'm just paid for mixing i just paid for mastering i can't pay for marketing but then if you don't you're running the risk if you don't promote it a ton on your social medias and it gets totally. picked up there you, you think that people are going to listen to it because you know how hard you worked yeah. on it but then once it gets out to the world and you know you haven't reached out to any blog posts on your own you haven't reached out yeah. to any magazines by yourself and nobody's talking about it you, you kind of put all this work in not for nothing but it depends what you're looking for if you wanted people to yeah. hear it maybe there was a couple steps that you could have went forward with and saved maybe you know an extra thousand bucks for
1: totally.
0: a, a marketing thing and some ads right I mean, some marketing agencies I've talked to, they do like expensive campaigns where it's up- upwards of two thousand yeah. dollars, and you're like, I can't afford that. But then other uh, other ones do it for you know seven, eight hundred bucks yeah. for six weeks to eight weeks. And it's, well, you even it actually you even look at
1: like the factor breakdown. So like when you apply for yeah. one of those big factor grants, the breakdown is like there's more money allotted to marketing than the recording
0: Absolutely. on those big grants. Yeah. And
1: it's like <laughs> yeah. what? like like man, so much it's so much and i think as it's like so musicians much. you you're so used to blowing as much as you can on the recordings and the mixing and the mastering like that's what you spend all of your money on and then you don't spend any on like your live show and you don't spend any on pr and it's like um it's just weird that even like factor is saying you should be putting more money into pr than the actual recordings costs which is crazy but it, I it guess does it seem is. crazy
0: yeah. yeah it does seem crazy but i guess it does make sense and it just goes to show how much of like a, a structure you you really need to sit down and think about when it comes to writing music when i started doing it it was just write me a, write a song Try to record Mm -hmm. it and then it's gonna sound good. Then you're like, well, crap, my arrangements suck. Mm -hmm. I gotta work on those. And then you get better arrangements, put out a song. The song's better, but no one's listening to it still. Right. Well, well, no one's, yeah. So it's just this whole like learning curve, but also you gotta learn how to, what works for you and and what you're kind of striving for. It's it's hard to know what even questions to ask when you're like, why is nobody listening to my song? (laughs) Here, did you put money into marketing? No. Did you reach out to any blogs or (laughs) magazines? No. Yeah. Are you playing? (laughs) Did you share it on your social media? yeah but i don't have any followers so nobody saw that and it's yeah it's tricky man it's a weird um it's a weird weird world to navigate so it's awesome to see you doing so well man before we before we hang up where can uh where can people check out your tunes and all your music and where can people follow you on all your social medias
1: yeah just maddie leon um m-a-t-t-i-e-l-e-o-n and it's on all the streaming platforms yeah we got some i don't know when this is coming up we've got some shows in april coming on coming up here if you're in ontario and uh, yeah, it is nice to be back, going back to playing venues and playing on stages. I hope, I hope people are willing to come out and yeah, and come I to think shows. They are, man, man, I know, I think they are too.
0: I think people have, are finally like they're just done with done with it, done yeah. with the uh, staying home. They just want to get out. It feels good. I just went, I went to a pub a pub like i'm in england i went to a bar <laughs> the yeah. other day just to read read a bit of a book and it was just nice to be around. i didn't go with anybody it's yeah. nice to be around people you know yeah, not man. scared to to be around people it is just really to get nice get that get that get the shakes yeah. off of me <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cootie shakes
1: <laughs> yeah do you have any shows coming up
0: um i do have one coming up in stoville at the end of the month uh, this month would be march uh yeah not sure when this is coming out either but end of the end of the um end of march it's for the winter song music festival Oh, well, i'm playing that too are you okay sweet yeah, well i yeah, should nice. come see you one of those nights then what night are you uh the 26th okay yeah,
1: i don't know exactly
0: where or what time but yeah i'll be in the area so i should come see you and then i think i might be doing um a springtide music festival too which is oh, beautiful maybe april i think but i think they're still working out the, all the covid rescheduling yeah. so yeah not sure well dude thanks 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 so much for hopping on i appreciate it we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do this again because i I love talking to you and there's so much information i can i can get from you man likewise yeah
1: anytime
0: thanks man all right hope you enjoyed this episode with Matty Leon. You can check out Acoustic Guitars wherever you're streaming music and keep an eye out for his upcoming third album. I'll be back again in a couple weeks with a new guest and thank you for listening.